Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Marking Out, episode 548. I am one of your hosts, Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BTTG161. Dave and Chris will not be here this week. You could follow them on Twitter at Chris Sweendog, at DavidPTDPT. That's the same for David's Instagram as well. Collectively, you could follow us on Twitter at Marking Out, on Instagram at Marking Out 11. That's the same as our YouTube. Facebook.com slash Marking Out. Go to Manscaped.com. Use the code REGARDLESS. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping. You could also purchase some t-shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com. Check out the show, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify Podcasts, and MarkingOut.com. Like I said, I'm Brandon. I'm uh, I'm here by myself. I'm doing awesome as always. Had a pretty eventful week. I went to the Hamptons to visit my aunt, my uncle, and my cousins. They uh they rented a house out there for for a month. So it was fun. Got to uh have their kids, my cousins finally meet my niece, and then their kids got to meet my niece also, so that was cool to see them interact as little as it was, but uh, the the De Niro impression that I spoke about last week got a huge pop that my niece is doing now, so I, I like that she's doing that. I got to see Dave and his mom before I went to the Mets game. I went to a Mets game at City Field for the first time in seven years and four months to the exact date. I have absolutely no idea how seven years just like went in between the time I went to a Mets game and this past weekend because I used to go quite often to Mets games so it was it's pretty crazy to think that seven years went by but I guess I was just on like a concert kick maybe and nobody really nobody ever really wanted to go to Mets games but the Mets won in the 10th inning they faced the Cincinnati Reds Before the game, they had a Hall of Fame ceremony with uh, John Matlack, uh, Ron Darling, and Edgardo Alfonso. It was cool because Carlos Baerga was there, Bobby Valentine, Mike Piazza, Ed Cranepool, Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, and Ray Ordonez were there as well. And it was really cool to see Edgardo, Mike, Carlos, and uh, Ray, and Bobby Valentine because from... They were basically the Mets from when I was a kid. When I started to watch the Mets, that was the team. So it was cool. And they also, at one of the innings, they played Piano Man for the crowd, like a crowd sing-along. So that was like really cool to hear and feel a live crowd sing Piano Man again. Because again, prior to COVID, I was going to Billy Joel concerts quite often. I've seen him, I could say, in every single month of the year. But 
it was definitely weird to be in such a large place with almost everyone there not wearing a mask. And I know COVID, they're saying, is coming back, so I don't know what's going to happen come September with Madison Square Garden, with Arthur Ashe Stadium. I'm not going to AEW, but I am going to WWE at the Garden. I just hope all of this is over soon. I know they say that the, the, the cases are increasing, so hopefully everybody still continues to stay safe out there. But... I'm going to move on to WWE talk. Bray Wyatt was released on Saturday. I think that came to a shock to absolutely everybody. The IWC blamed Alexa Bliss, which I think is just absolutely disgusting. But it's very unfortunate that Bray Wyatt was released. I I just, I don't. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes where Nick Khan is just releasing anybody. Like, nobody is absolutely safe. But I'm just going to miss everything about Bray Wyatt. There were rumors that he was going to be coming back this month. Uh, But everything from the Wyatt family to The Fiend, I enjoyed most of it. It's unfortunate that he wasn't WWE champion longer. But I think overall, he was one of the most entertaining characters in recent history for WWE. Ric Flair was also released. That came out on Monday, even though WWE confirmed it uh, officially on Tuesday. I honestly think he was just kept around to keep him safe during COVID. But now that the world is somewhat opening up again... I don't know. I guess he. Uh, the rumors say that he had a problem with the the Lacey Evans storyline that he was part of. But um, I, I could definitely see Ric Flair going to AEW. Andrade's there. But moving over to actual Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Bobby Lashley, MVP, opened the show. MVP spoke about Goldberg. Goldberg comes out and basically just gets into Bobby Lashley's face and says Lashley's next. Lashley didn't accept it, but it's pretty much set in stone there. Lashley then gets into Gage's face. Bill Goldberg's son was sitting ringside after Goldberg left. MVP yells at him. Goldberg comes back out, spears MVP. During this segment, the fans chanted for Bray Wyatt. They did not chant CM Punk during this segment. After that, uh, or later on actually, Bobby Lashley does end up accepting the challenge. I don't know why he couldn't just do it then and there. But first match of the evening saw Drew McIntyre pick up the victory over Veer and Shanky via disqualification. This, we had a few CM Punk chants here. And we also, I guess we confirmed that there were piped in crowd noises because Michael Cole was calling John Cena commentary for Drew McIntyre's entrance. I don't know how you leave something like that in. But this match comes to an end. Jinder Mahal uses the chair on Drew McIntyre. Drew then threatens everybody with a sword. So it's like they saw Nick Gage versus Chris Jericho and they're like, well, goddammit, you're going to use a sword and kill everybody. 
But after that, Rhea Ripley picked up the victory over Nia Jax. It wasn't a bad match. I just hated the ending of this. Shayna Baszler gets up on the apron. Rhea Ripley uh, goes face-to-face with her. Shayna Baszler drops down. Ripley moves and Jax runs into the ropes. Schoolboy finish. Nia Jax at one point got busted the hell open by her eye. And uh, that didn't slow her down at all. So kudos to Nia Jax for that. After though, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler go face to face. Shayna Baszler leaves. And then Ripley, out of nowhere almost, hits the ripcord to end that segment. And I thought that was good. Next match, T-Bar and Mace pick up the victory over Mansoor and Mustafa Ali. Huge hometown pop for Mustafa Ali in Chicago, Illinois. I liked Ali and Mansoor as a team here. Mansoor accidentally crotches Ali up on the top rope. T-Bar takes advantage of that. And then after the match, Mason T-Bar stand behind Ali. Looks like maybe a little bit of a reformation of retribution. Ali, though, pushes Mansoor out of the ring. Turns around, gets hit with that double choke slam from Mason T-Bar. So he sacrificed himself to save Mansoor. So it's cool because Ali is now coming around to teaming with Mansoor. And I like them as a tag team. After this, Charlotte Flair gets in the ring, cuts a promo. She opens the promo by talking about Simone Biles dropping out of the Olympics due to her mental health. And then goes on to, uh, compares it to her losing the title after Nikki cashes the money in the bank contract briefcase on her I was baffled that they did that I thought it was awful such poor taste I just I I cannot fathom that a writer okayed that and then other people backstage okayed that that made no sense whatsoever and I don't I can't put this on flair it's whoever came up with that promo I thought that was absolutely awful um, but Charlotte then goes on to speak about how she's been cashed in on three times. She throws some weapons in the ring and then Nikki Ash shows up from behind, smacks Charlotte with the, a chair, ends that segment. Backstage, Eva Marie and Dewdrop are, are speaking. Eva Marie doesn't care that Natalia's out with an injury based off their match from last week. She was just disgusted with the Lily Lucian and basically promised the same outcome with Tamina as she had with Natalia. Tamina then goes on to defeat Dewdrop. Not much took place here, but I didn't hate the match. Eva Marie at one point yells at Dewdrop, which distracts her. Tamina was able to move out of the way of the running crossbody and then hits Dewdrop with the, the Samoan drop. This match had CM Punk chance. But I enjoyed the match. Alexa Bliss and Lily appeared afterwards to announce that Eva Marie is the loser of the match, which caused Bray Wyatt chance to happen. Later on in the night, Dewdrop ends up attacking Alexa Bliss and Eva Marie, <laughs> Eva Marie berated Lily. And they leave, Lily stands up on her own, 
We had a Miz TV segment with Damian Priest, which I thought was a fun segment. Uh, we also had a fun segment backstage prior to Miz TV with uh, Damian Priest and, and Matt Riddle. But a lot of CM Punk chants here. Damian Priest spoke about Sheamus fighting with an injury, and he questioned the Miz's authenticity of his injury and what his actual injury is. And then Damian Priest said that he was out there to actually challenge Sheamus, but that he'd rather just fight John Morrison. Miz gets blasted with the drip stick. And then the match goes on. Damian Priest picks up the victory over John Morrison. I think it started off really slow. Almost picked up, but I think finished before it really got started. I like that springboard rough rider that that Damian Priest did. I'm almost certain we've seen him do that before. Sheamus, after the match, instantly attacks Damian Priest. Ricochet runs down, makes that save, and then we get a a tag team match out of this. Damian Priest and Ricochet pick up the victory over Sheamus and John Morrison. And I'm happy that this actually took place, even though I know I've complained about singles matches turning into tag matches before. But I'm happy because that first match didn't really get a chance to pick up. And this match was pretty quick. But I still liked the fact that we got it. I liked Miz wetting the floor with the drip stick. John Morrison throwing Ricochet like a slip and slide. I thought it was cool. And there were a few other cool spots here. After that, Amos picked up the victory over Riddle. Before the match, Riddle locks a sleeper hold on him. Amos shakes him off. And I thought it was a fun match. It wasn't like a quick squash match or anything. But obviously, it was still a dominant match for Amos. Riddle got in a ton of moves, but... Ultimately, you need Amos to pick up that victory. I believe it was his second singles match ever. After that, Keith Lee picked up the victory over Karrion Cross. Last week, I said that I thought both of them needed a win last week. I think the same thing this week. I think both of them needed a win this week. But for some reason here, the fans, they don't care about Karrion Cross. I like this match though. Carrying cross suplex um, uh, Keith Lee into the steps. We don't really see that. We saw Keith Lee stop Carrying Cross from hitting the Saido suplex on him. He overpowered that, and I thought that was good too. And then when Carrying Cross locked the straitjacket in, Keith Lee fought out. So we did get like that monster Keith Lee in this match. He hits a huge spirit bomb to pick up that victory. I think a good portion of this match was really good. And if it was taking place in AEW, perhaps, fans would be losing their minds over it. But these fans at Raw, for some reason, just did not care about carrying Cross. There were little spurts that they cared about Keith Lee, but I, I don't know. I just I don't understand what the what's happening with, with Cross. After this, Reggie, formerly known as Reginald, picked up the victory over Akira Tozawa to retain the 24-7 championship. Decent comedic match between these two. I think Akira Tozawa is entertaining and Reggie has proven himself to be very entertaining. I really hope that he's still champion in September and has a match at Madison Square Garden. Because I want to see Reggie wrestle. Because it's fun. 
After that, the main event, we saw a no-holds-barred match between Nikki Ash, who was the victor, defeating Charlotte Flair here. They announced this as a championship contenders match, which makes no sense because Charlotte's already in the match at SummerSlam. Um, I don't know. This match, parts of it I didn't like. Overall, I did like the match, but like Charlotte doing the spear through the barricade... I don't think that was necessary. We just saw that at Money in the Bank. We saw Edge and Roman Reigns do that spot, basically. Obviously, not the exact same thing. Reigns put himself through that barricade. But, I don't know. It was pretty standard. It was a pretty standard no-holds-barred match. Um, Charlotte hit that huge powerbomb on Nikki Cross through the commentary table. She makes her mistake. She does that one foot pin. Nikki kicks out. Fans are going, they're starting to build up, starting going wild here. Charlotte went to spear Nikki through the uh, the table that was set up in the corner. Nikki dodges. Charlotte puts herself through the table. And then Nikki Cross, Nikki Ash won the match with the Hangman Ego Trip. I think overall it was a, a very stale Raw. I think they need a serious change. But the main event, it got a This Is Awesome chant. And I thought maybe it was piped in, but you saw people chanting This Is Awesome. So, I think some of this was good. But I think a lot of this was just miss. But that's Monday Night Raw. Um, Before I move over to NXT, I wanted to mention the unfortunate passing of Jody Hamilton. At the age of 82. He was part of the Assassins. He founded the WCW power plant and trained people like Kevin Nash, Diamond Dallas Page, Big Show, Goldberg, and more. He founded Deep South Wrestling as well, which later became a WWE developmental territory before WWE moved over to FCW. He's the father of Nick Patrick. And I think it's pretty crazy to think Jody Hamilton wrestled for Capital Wrestling and main event in Madison Square Garden at the age of 19. So I'd just like to offer my condolences to his family and his friends. Moving over to NXT, it opens up with Hit Row, Ashanti, The Adonis, and Top Dalla picking up the victory over Legato Del Fantasma via disqualification. I was enjoying this match. I thought it was really uh, well done. But Santos Escobar used a chair on Top Dalla causing the disqualification. Legato then jumps Swerve. Escobar uses the chair on him, rips out his grill. He went to stomp on his neck with the the chair over it, but Top Dollar makes a save there. B-Fab hits Joaquin Wild with the the chair. Top Dollar hits a front dropkick, knocks the other two down. Legato gets away, though. After that, Ridge Holland picked up the victory over Ikamanjiro. I think it's a good dominant match here for for Ridge. I liked him. Uh, He ripped Jiro's jacket off. I like that because Ikaman is known for wrestling with his jacket on. But overall, it was just a really good showcase match for Ridge Holland, and it's good to see him back. Afterwards, Pete Dunne cut a uh, promo on Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. So we're still going to get that match. 
Backstage, Frankie Monet, Jesse Kamea, and Robert Stone were interviewed. Stone went to talk, but Frankie Monet cuts him off, wouldn't let him speak. She blamed him for the loss last week, called both of them losers, and said that she's rebuilding the group, and they have to abide by her rules. And they're they both like, yes, of course, of course. After that, we saw Roderick Strong pick up the victory over Bobby Fish. I was hoping that Bobby Fish would have won this match. But during SmackDown, a bunch of NXT talent was released. One of them being Bobby Fish. Another one being Tyler Rust, part of Diamond Mine. Bronson Reed, Jake Atlas, Ari Sterling, Stephen Smith, um, Leon Ruff, Kona Reeves. Zachariah Smith, Asher Hale, Giant Zangier, and Mercedes Martinez also released. Leon Ruff and and Ari Sterling both had matches on NX uh, on on two hundred five live. That sucks. These releases suck, man. I I just Bronson Reed, man. Bobby Fish. They just, they make no sense. And at this point, it's clearly just about money. It's clearly just building that brand to to gain profits. That absolutely sucks. But I hope all of them, I mean, they're, these competitors are fantastic. So, I mean, Mercedes Martinez would do wonders for any woman's division. It just sucks. Bobby Fish and Tyler Rust literally in, they built up Diamond Mine for weeks. Bronson Reed, I had such high hopes for on a main roster. But as far as NXT goes, after the match, Kushida accepted Roderick Strong's Cruiserweight Championship Challenge. After that, Grizzled Young Veterans picked up the victory over Cameron Grimes and LA Knight. This, man, oh man. I really thought Cameron Grimes was going to pick up the victory here. Grimes goes for a hot tag. LA Knight drops down, causing Cameron Grimes to just like throw down his gloves, get fired up. When when LA Knight dropped down, I fully expected Cameron Grimes to lose. But after seeing him all fired up, I thought he was going to actually pull it off. So it was like a whirlwind of emotions for me, and he ended up losing that match. But after, actually, before even talking about afterwards, before the match, LA Knight said that he had Cameron Grimes' back since Cameron Grimes had his back. So that not only was that not the case here, who knows if that's going to be the case going on in the future. Ted DiBiase came out afterwards, gave Cameron Grimes a little pep talk, helped him to the back. So... DiBiase's like, I know you're a man of your words, your word. I know you're going to be this, this butler for him, but maybe Ted DiBiase will help him in the long run. After that, we had a Dakota Kai video package where she addressed what she did to Raquel Gonzalez last week. She claimed that if it wasn't for her, she'd still be nothing. Storyline, storyline wise, not entirely wrong. And I thought it was a really good promo from Dakota Kai. 
I don't know if I see her defeating Raquel Gonzalez at NXT TakeOver 36, but I would really like to see her become the next champion. After that, Trey Baxter picked up the victory over Joe Gacy to advance in the breakout tournament. Really cool to see Joe Gacy on TV. We've seen Baxter before. He picks up the victory with a uh, 450 stomp from the top rope. I thought that was cool. He's going to be moving on to face Odyssey Jones. I think it's hard to say what the finals will be, but I'm thinking maybe Odyssey Jones versus Duke Hudson. I know a lot of people probably pulling for Carmelo Hayes there, but I think Duke Hudson might have this. After that, we had an Io Shirai and Zoe Stark segment at a Japanese restaurant so they could bond. I just thought this was a stupid segment. Like, Io Shirai orders all this food. Zoe Stark is like, I'll have what she's having. And the food arrives. Zoe Stark doesn't like the food, so she throws all the food on the floor, basically. Zero table manners. What, what does that make sense? How does that make sense? But I popped at Io Shirai making Zoe Stark pay. So I thought that was funny. It's a different segment. We, we don't really see stuff like that on TV. After that, Karen Cross showed up. And Samoa Joe came running after him, but security held him back. So Samoa Joe took the security out. I feel like if this was anyone else, there'd be repercussions. I don't know if we'll we'll see that next week for Samoa Joe. But the main event, we saw Johnny Gargano pick up the victory over Dexter Loomis in a love her or lose her match. Indy Hartwell came out to try to plead with Gargano during the match. Um, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae argued with Indy Hartwell. So Dexter Loomis gets that quick pin on Johnny Gargano. Gargano kicks out, causing Dexter Loomis to fall uh, or to, to knock Indy Hartwell off the apron. Johnny ends up hitting the one final beat, picks up that victory. Indy Hartwell goes with Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae, all sad. And then at the last second, the lower, the lower, uh, what is it, the lower third or whatever thing comes on the screen. Indy Hartwell runs down, hits Dexter Loomis with a Luthez press kiss. Never once seen a Thez press kiss before, but I thought it was cool. I liked it. Um, yeah. That was NXT moving over to NXT UK. It kicked off with Blair Davenport picking on the victory over Zaya Brookside. Uh, it was a quick, maybe five-minute match, but I enjoyed it. Davenport hits a, a Falcon Arrow afterwards. Uh, after that, Mustache Mountain versus Pretty Deadly gets set up for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. That'll take place in two weeks, but starting next week, There's going to be a tournament to see the next competitor for the Heritage Cup and uh, who will face Tyler Bate. Mark Andrews, Noam Dar, Kenny Williams, Oliver Carter, Nathan Fraser, Teal Man, Sam Gradwell, and Wolfgang are all in that match. I'd like to see Wolfgang win that tournament and go on to face Tyler Bate for that, that shot. After that, we saw Jack Stars and Dave Mastiff pick up the victory over Danny Jones and Josh Morrell. Um, Post Piper Niven being in NXT UK, I think this is a fun team for Jack Stars to be part of. 
It was their first match together. They've been training for a few weeks since Piper Niven left. Obviously, she's due drop now in the United States. And uh, I, I think the team works. And I'm excited to see more from them. There were some really good vignettes this week from Isla Dawn. We saw Aoife Valkyrie uh, in the Performance Center. We also saw Stevie Turner go up to Mako Satamora, make fun of the wrestlers she was training with, and basically warn her, which didn't go over well with Mako Satamora. I guess maybe she'll be the first challenger to lose to Mako Satamora. Main event, though, saw A-Kid pick up the victory over Jordan Devlin in NXT UK's first Ironman match. It was 30 minutes. You had to know this was going to kick ass, and it really delivered. I think it was very technical, very submission-based, and uh, all three of the points were due to submissions. End of the match, Devlin knocks A-Kid down, hits a two-count, clock runs out. So I really enjoyed this Iron Man match. I think everybody should check that out. Um, This is a really good episode of NXT UK. But moving over to SmackDown. Sasha Banks opens up the show. She came back for her spotlight. She deserves and created is what she said. Bianca Belair came out and said that if Sasha Banks wants a, a title shot, she's got one. Zelina Vega came out and was like, absolutely not. She wants a title shot. Bianca Belair agrees to put the title on the line later on against Zelina Vega. However, later on in the show, it was corrected as just a contenders match, which is stupid. Backstage, Zelina Vega gets pissed off at Adam Pearce and and Sonya Deville. And they were like, well, we can't authorize it. There's no promotion for the match. And if you do well in this, maybe you prove it. You'll get a title shot, winner of SummerSlam. I'll talk about that a little later on. Jey Uso picks up the victory over Dominic in the first match. Rey Mysterio didn't like that Dominic challenged him because he wants both of them to be good for SummerSlam. He wants the titles back. Jimmy gets involved behind the referee's back twice. The second time, Rey Mysterio takes him out, which distracts Dominic As he went up for the frog splash, I don't know if that really makes too much sense, but Jay gets the advantage there, picks up that victory. I think maybe there's a chance that we could possibly see Dominic turn on Ray at some point. After that, Shinsuke Nakamura picked up the victory over Apollo Crews via disqualification to maybe become the number one contender. It was one of those contendership matches. Um, Aziz pulled Nakamura out of the ring, causing that disqualification. Shinsuke Nakamura throws Cruz into Aziz, knocks him off the apron after that match. I have no idea the outcome of this match with the who is number one contender. I don't know. I don't know why Commander Aziz would do that. It's the same outcome either way. After that, Kayla tried to get an interview with Roman Reigns from base based off of what happened last week with the contract signing Paul Heyman showed up and uh said that the contract is a joke and he compared it to him using a kendo stick uh, against Tom Brady to then sign Tom Brady's contract and then Biggie showed up 
Paul Heyman got scared as Big E just stood there laughing with the Money in the Bank briefcase, so I thought that was good. After that, Tegan Knox picked up the victory over Tamina. Shotzi accidentally fires a missile during this match, which just, it distracted Tamina. Tegan Knox pinned her off of that. I thought it was a stupid ending. Nothing happened in this match other than that. Edge came out, wanted to call Seth Rollins out, but Seth Rollins wasn't there. Edge said that he sees himself in Seth Rollins, but it has to end. Rollins appeared via satellite and said that if they were the same person, Edge would have a plan B. And he was like, I do have a plan B, and proposed a match for SummerSlam. Seth Rollins said he'll think about it, but he also wanted Edge to think about it. And then Edge brought up the... 2020 and 2021 Royal Rumble matches and how he helped eliminate Seth Rollins in both of them. Rollins got pissed and agreed to that match. After that, Street Profits picked up the victory over the Dirty Dogs. Kind of seemed like a throwaway match. I know they have history, but not much took place here. After that, Bianca Belair picked up the victory over Zelina Vega. Sasha Banks came out during this. There was no distractions whatsoever really from Sasha Banks. And it was a decent match. I just hate how goofed the earlier stuff was. Earlier in the night, Finn Balor spoke about what happened last week with the contract signing and how it's all Baron Corbin's fault. He said that once he's done with Corbin, he's coming for John Cena. We also saw Paul Heyman warn Roman Reigns about the match of Finn Balor's being next. And Finn Balor picked up that victory over Baron Corbin, who tried to apologize to Finn Balor at the start of the match. Balor didn't care about that. Quick match. It leads to Finn Balor saying that if what took place last week happened three years ago, maybe Finn Balor would have just smiled it off. But he's pissed. He wants Roman Reigns. And he wants the Universal Championship. And he'll go through John Cena if he has to. Roman Reigns came out and told Finn Balor to keep his name out of his mouth. And as he went to get out of the ring, Finn Balor pushed him out of the ring. Finn Balor's waiting for Reigns to get back in the ring. Reigns gets up on the apron. The Usos jump him from behind. They go to take him out. Finn Balor reverses it. They hit the Usos splash on each other. He tosses them out of the ring. Calls for Roman Reigns. They brawl. And when Balor gets the upper hand, the Usos come back into the into the picture. Reigns hits him with a Superman punch. One of them Usos hit a, an Uso splash, and Reigns locked the guillotine on Finn Balor to, to end SmackDown. No Liv Morgan, no Tony Storm. John Cena will be on SmackDown next week. But that is SmackDown. Going to take a quick break right now. Hear a word from our sponsor over at Manscaped. And I'll be right back here on Marking Out. Support for Marking Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it, Brandon's never done it. You're down there, you, sh- you know, shaved up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. 
get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way, I can charge my lawnmower 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's one for this uh, read, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two for this read, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for this read. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 548. Remember to head over to manscaped.com, use the code REGARDLESS, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Pick up that lawnmower 4.0, pick up the, the weed whacker, some crop shaver, some deodorant, some body wash. Use that code REGARDLESS, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Before I move on to AEW, I wanted to mention the unfortunate passing of beautiful Bobby Eaton at the age of 62. When I was a kid, I knew the Midnight Express to be bombastic Bob and bodacious Bart as part of the WWE. But as I grew up, I learned about Dennis Condry. I learned about Sweet Stan Lane. And of course, Bobby Eaton. He never wrestled for WWE, but he was a huge tag team star in the NWA and the WCW. Part of the dangerous alliance with Paul Heyman, Arn Anderson, Rick Rude, uh, Larry Zbysko, stunning Steve Austin. He was in the Blue Bloods with Lord Steven Regal and Squire Dave Taylor as Earl Robert Eaton. Bobby Eaton is someone to study. I think the Midnight Express should 100% be inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame, and it's a shame that Bobby won't be here to be to to see that day. Uh, but he was tag team wrestling. So I'd like to offer my condolences to his family and his friends and move over to AEW Homecoming. It opens up with Chris Jericho picking up the victory over Juventud Guerrera. I was hoping that Chris Jericho would have maybe been wearing some sort of classic tights, but uh, he was not. But... I think Chris Jericho might have almost been too slow to work Hoovy here. Jericho ends the match with a top rope Judas effect, but it wasn't like the greatest match here. I think maybe I had too high of hopes, but it was like 
Like, it was still really cool to see Hoovy. And they recovered a, a lot from the beginning. The beginning was a bit off. But overall, I just, I hope we have more Hooventude in AEW. I don't think that's going to happen, but it, it was just really cool to see Hoovy. After the match, Wardlow attacked Chris Jericho and Hoovy. MJF then announces that Wardlow is labor number four. And I thought that MJF was going to be the referee, but apparently he's just going to be at ringside. I don't know how that matters. I Obviously, Chris Jericho is winning that match. I think labor number four is super disappointing. Hopefully, labor five before he gets to MJF is like a huge surprise. There's Ultimo Dragon. Um, Paul White is in AEW. He was a, f- a former tag team champion with Chris Jericho. So... I don't know who else is, uh, who would be next. I know some people are throwing out Lance Storm, but I think Lance is 100% retired. But after that, we had a backstage segment with the Lucha Bros where Pac had uh, his travel plans canceled. Andrade showed up, asked for his thanks from the Lucha Bros for the limousines, the travel and everything from last week. And Phoenix said that they don't work for anyone. And they certainly don't work for him. Later on, Andrade was interviewed and Chavo pulls up Fuego del Sol to work for Andrade and Chavo just wanted him to shine his shoes. Fuego's like, no, and then Andrade attacks him. And they were like, Lucha Bros will never be champions if they don't join Andrade. It's not something I necessarily want to... um, I don't want to see them leave Pac, but I wouldn't mind Andrade with the Lucha Bros. Because Andrade very much so is like the top of the top with Lucha Libre, as are the Lucha Bros. After that, we had Dark Order backstage. Adam Page shows up and says that he has to fix everything on his own. So he wants to go their separate ways. Everybody cries. Uh, everybody as in the fans. <laughs> but uh, we'll get to that more in a second. Good Brothers, however, on the other hand, backstage with the Elite, they are going to give Dark Order a tag team title shot next week. Impact tag team title shot next week. Um, Kenny Omega was wearing a Cookie Monster shirt, so people think it's a uh, CM Punk Easter egg. Gallows was wearing a Ric Flair esque robe so obviously Ric Flair Carl Anderson wearing a Bollywood Boys t-shirt and uh, Matt and Nick Jackson wearing Hawaiian shirts so people think Bray Wyatt but again I don't think you should give in to rumors um, next matchup saw John Moxley, Eddie Kingston and Darby Allen pick up the victory over Team 2.0 and Daniel Garcia this I pop big time because this just like randomly they AEW posted like a, a, a promo for Team 2.0 and Daniel Garcia basically laying out that challenge and I'm like oh wait a second Team 2.0 former Everized former Team 3.0 gonna be in AEW I'm here for that So, this match basically went how you'd expect it to have. Um, But I hope this means 2.0 will continue to be in AEW. 
because I'm such a fan of theirs. I've said this so many times on the show that I, and I'll always say that I liked, I'm such a fan of, of Everize and team 3.0 team 2.0. Uh, in this actual match though, I liked Matt Martell marking out over sting. And then, uh, Darby Allen took him out with that suicide dive through the ropes. I thought that was really good. But overall, I think it was a fun match to watch. After this, Christian picked up the victory over the Blade. The Bunny got involved. Layla Hirsch ran down to fight her to the back. They did a spot where Blade tried to rip the turnbuckle pad off, but like literally couldn't. And the referee's like, I have to fix this, even though there was nothing wrong with the turnbuckle pad. So the referee's distracted. Blade goes, gets his brass knuckles. Christian... Hits him with a spear. Picks up that victory. That literally plays no factor into the match. Later on, Tony Schiavone interviewed Christian. And he got the confirmation from Tony Khan that Christian is the number one contender for the AEW championship. They showed footage from FTR versus Santana and Ortiz. They showed the hook getting stuck into Dash Wilder's arm last week. And uh, basically, it's not over between the two teams, but oh my god, I can't, I, I can't even believe that's what happened. I, I, when that spot happened last week, I didn't understand how it happened, and then seeing that footage, oh my god. So hopefully he's like all right. Obviously he's gonna make a full recovery. So I don't know when, but man, what a scary injury there. After that, Britt Baker in front of the live crowd. Cutting a promo gets cut off by Red Velvet to challenge Britt Baker. Britt Baker accepted, and I didn't think this segment made any sense. They're going to have a a title match next week. Britt Baker is, I guess, a heel, but everyone's cheering her. Red Velvet, who hasn't been seen on TV in probably months. Shows up, wants a title shot, and uh, kind of playing the heel here. Even though she is, I guess, would be the face in this segment. But this is something that kind of annoys me with AEW. Because they have the ranking system. Red Velvet's at number three. You got Ty Conti, two, and Thunder Rose at number one. Obviously, the rankings don't matter here. And they say that they do. And, I mean, not to skip ahead, but the same thing with Miro's match. But after this segment, Tony Schiavone literally goes from the ring to the commentary desk just to say that he has to go back to the ring for an interview with Hangman Adam Page. Before he can interview Adam Page, though, the elite cuts this off. And Kenny Omega is like, we thought about forgiving you. We thought about forgiving your sins and and letting you rejoin the elite. But the elite doesn't have any losers in it. Adam Page slaps him. He gets jumped. Dark, Dark Order attempts to make the save there. But Evil Uno and Stu Grayson do not let him. They're the ones getting the tag team title shot next week. I was hoping for Johnny and Alex. But they wouldn't let them, so they ended up leaving. Frankie Kazarian makes the save. 
or at least attempts to. And they get him as well. I thought, because, you know, quote-unquote forbidden door is open, I thought 100% we were going to be seeing Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards in that segment due to their stuff with Impact. But that did not happen. It ends with a beatdown on Kazarian and Adam Page. After this, they aired a promo from Dan Lambert, that MMA guy that uh, Lance Archer took out a few weeks ago. He's going to be back next week with backup. I saw some teases for filthy Tom Lawler. Uh, I I don't even know what to make of that. Uh, I think it's cool if Tom Lawler's going to show up in AEW. Uh, after that, Miro defeats Lee Johnson to retain the TNT Championship. Miro's last match was over a month ago. So... As far as feuds and everything, there's like no reason to care for this match. Lee Johnson's not ranked. Why does he have a title shot? I don't know why anyone would think Lee Johnson was walking out of this as the winner. But regardless of all that that I think is stupid, I thought the match was actually really good and a good showing for for Lee. It's just a shame that a showcase match for Miro ends up being nothing more than that for Lee. Because if you're trying to push Lee Johnson, where's this going to go from? Where's this going to go from here? He's just going to show up on Elevation and Dark. And then who knows the next time we'll see him on Dynamite. After that, Layla Hirsch picked up the victory over the Bunny in a number one contender match for the NWA Women's Championship. Best friends were out there with Layla to counter HFO being out there. Um, Best friends picking up like so many members as if they're the NWO. Camille, though, the NWA Women's Champion sitting ringside. And uh, I was pulling for Layla Hirsch here to win, so I'm glad she did. And after the match, Camille gets in the ring, towers over Layla Hirsch. So that match, I believe, would be taking place on NWA TV or pay-per-view. After that, Jade Cargill and Smart Mark Sterling had a promo. Mark said that Jade hasn't been wrestling because she's been busy, uh, like Hollywood, etc. This just sets up a match on AEW Dark Elevation So, I couldn't care less about that. After that, the main event, Malachi Black picked up the victory over Cody Rhodes. Cody hurts his knee early on in the match, so uh, Malachi Black worked on that throughout the whole match. Cody gets kicked off the top turnbuckle, throws himself through a table ringside. I thought that was the worst looking spot of the match. Um, But... Malachi Black ends the match with a black mass. Kind of underwhelming. I wanted it to maybe be more like Cody versus Brody Lee. But I thought overall the match was fine. I hated the aftermath. Because instead of making it look like the black mass can kill, 
Tony Schiavone gets into the ring. They do a UFC parody with uh, Conor McGregor and Joe Rogan where Tony has to grab an interview with Cody right away, even though he's knocked out on the mat. Cody gets up, gives a retirement speech, which portions were already leaked online. Portions were already said in the media call from this past week. I thought that was dumb. He takes off his boot, turns around right before Alistair Black smacks him across with the uh, smacks him across the back with a crutch. Clearly going to film the go big home, big go home show, big go show, whatever. He's already stated that. Terrible ending. Good match, terrible ending. And right now, here's where I would probably speak about Impact Homecoming and Impact Wrestling. But Impact Wrestling announced that they are no longer streaming on Twitch. My only source to watch Impact Wrestling. So, I I can't speak about Impact anymore. Which is very unfortunate because I enjoyed every Thursday watching Impact Wrestling on Twitch. But they're moving over to a subscription-based gimmick on YouTube. Uh, they still are on AXS TV, so I wish Optimum would like give us that channel already, but they have not, and that's super annoying. But that's AEW. Hey, Brandon, got any shout-outs? Hello there. This is this is Elmo, and you're listening to Brandon Shoutouts. The first shout-out goes to Pac-Man. It's just one of those classic games that I'll never get tired of playing. I played it last week on the Switch, uh, which really kind of sucked because the controller isn't really meant for that. But I still enjoyed playing it, and I it was one of my favorite games as a kid, which is like one of the most, I don't know, maybe one of the most boring games. But it's just a classic like arcade game, so I enjoy it. Uh, at the Mets game, I got a home run apple collector cup, which uh, came with ice cream. I didn't eat the ice cream. My dad did. I didn't want the ice cream. I just wanted the cup. I thought it was like the coolest collector cup I've ever seen at, at City Field. So that's definitely getting a shout out. And uh, the last shout out goes to Kevin Can F Himself. It's a dark comedy that airs on AMC. It stars Annie Murphy. And it's... I think one of the most unique shows that I've ever watched because it goes from a multi-camera sitcom with it's like it's all light and bubbly to a single camera drama from like scene to scene. The whole season, the whole first season's out right now. I hope it gets picked up for a season two. I don't know if it will be, but check it out on AMC. I think it's really cool. But those are my shout outs. Now it's time for my... is right my mark out moment of the week I didn't really mark out much this week but I did pop seeing that WWE auctions were selling two signed turnbuckle pads 
that were used for Raw and SmackDown at Madison Square Garden in 2019. I wish I could drop a grand on those, but there's just like no way. Um, also, something that I marked out for during AEW, a commercial airs, a major PBR commercial. I don't know if that's like tied into Dynamite at all. Like, probably not. I think it's just straight up advertisement. PBR knows what's what's what. So I thought that was really cool. Smart Mark Sterling, Chelsea Green, Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, and Swaggle all in that commercial. It's been out for for a, like maybe a month now if you follow the major wrestling figure podcast. But it was really cool to see that on television. And uh, that's basically my mark out moments of the week. Uh, and that's the episode. Episode 548. Check us out. On Twitter, at MarkinOut, at MarkinOut11, at BTTG161, Chris Sweendog, David PTDPT, Facebook.com slash MarkinOut, YouTube.com slash MarkinOut11, that's the same as our Instagram, um, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkinOut, use the code REGARDLESS, get yourself 20% off and free shipping over at Manscaped.com, check us out. Stitcher Radio, Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, MarkingOut.com, and more. We wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week.